Welcome to Fran Path Consulting Podcast. I'm Sam Schweitzer. And I'm Brittany Bodie. And together we are Fran Path Consulting. Hey, Britt. Hey, Sam. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm doing really well. Thanks. Yeah, it's another week, <laughs> another podcast, right? This week we've had some interesting stuff that I know we want to – we've kind of been saving to talk about here and and I think it's buying behaviors and buyers' behaviors is, is what I really want to dig in with you a little bit today because we've kind of run the gamut with our client base lately on how they're behaving in process with brands. We have, you know, this is something that I feel like we have a lot of experience on because we've been on all sides of the coin, right? As development people in-house for brands, working for franchisees, working for franchise sales organizations, being franchisees, being raised by franchisors. Between the two of us, we've worn every hat. And so we've dealt with a lot of franchisees over the last, you know, combined 20 plus years. And we've dealt with thousands of potential franchisees through a sales process, both on the development side and the consulting side. So we've really been able to see what works and what doesn't to help our clients achieve their goal of being in the driver's seat and getting to be a part of the system that they're excited about. Right. And really putting the decision in their hands, not you know, and if the decision is no, they get to make it. Nobody's making it for them. And I think I can understand, you know, having gone through the discovery process myself and purchased a business myself, sometimes you do want to jump the gun. You do want to know more right away. And you know that you're supposed to be following the process, but you're like, if you just let me talk to franchisees right now, I could figure this out. But Following the process that the development people, which is what we used to do, have set out, while it feels hard at times, it's in place for a reason. It is. And I think that's something that we really stress with our clients of how do we keep you in the driver's seat? That's something we say over and over again. And I know we have an episode that will be coming up here in a couple of weeks where we can kind of share tips with our clients, with our listeners on if you want to explore business ownership, how do you remain in the driver's seat? Yeah, I'm really excited to record that one because I think it, it really is out of necessity for us because we've seen people that are are phenomenal. And the reason most people want to be business owners is that they have a really strong personality and they have a lot of goals. And sometimes that can translate into not being a rule follower all the time. And, and franchising is really about process and it's about following the process. And when I was on the franchise sales organization side as a development person, I I got the chance to meet so many wonderful people. And the first brand that I represented was Redbox Plus, which is a dumpster attached to a porta potty <laughs> that is patented and OSHA compliant. And so, such a cool concept. And the types of people that we brought in were so phenomenal. And I am so excited to have with us today one of the very first franchisees I ever placed, which happened to be in Madison, Wisconsin. So we have the franchisee of Redbox Plus in Madison, Wisconsin, Chad Beery with us today. Hey, thanks a lot, Sam. Uh, happy to be here. Yes, thanks for joining us. 
Yeah, we're excited to have you today, Chad. So thank you so much. Really excited to have you share a little bit more about your background with our listeners. So if you wouldn't mind kicking off there, you know, how did you fall into franchising? And I say that because most people never anticipate being in franchising. They kind of fall into it. So give us some background on your professional career kind of leading up to why you fell into franchising. Sure, absolutely. Thanks, Brittany. Yeah, where to start? My goodness. Um, uh, I was looking for something different. So I had uh, been with IBM for about 20 years uh, in the software development space. And um, so my wife and I uh, have lived here in Madison for the past 15 years. We were in Seattle before that. Was really looking for a change. We, I had worked from home for 15 of those years and actually went and spent eight and a half years without actually seeing another coworker. So I was confined very much in, in this very same office that I'm uh, talking to you at. And I almost felt like a, a prisoner in my own home and um, got to work on some really cool technology. Uh, I started out with rational software. So we were creating software development tools. Uh, and then, uh, so I was a, a technical writer. My background is actually English. So I was working alongside uh, people with their, their PhDs from MIT and here I am with my English degree from uh, Eau Claire, Wisconsin. I'm a, a blue gold. And uh, so just uh, really a great experience at IBM. Uh, I, I was a technical writer. I started out writing documentation, so online help, samples, tutorials uh, for uh, our the software that we were creating. And um, so just really enjoyed that, worked with some really incredible people, had a, a great time doing that. Um, and I worked from home, as I said, for, for 15 years and um, just really, uh, like I said, felt like I was a prisoner in my own home. I'd survived 27 to 28 layoffs and I was just really tired of looking over my shoulder thinking, OK, you know, when is the next one going to hit and is it going to be me? So it, it kind of came to a, a boiling point uh, back uh, four or five years ago when we were asked to relocate to Raleigh, North Carolina. And that was kind of like, okay, we really need to figure out what, what to do here. So um, it was either, you know, relocate to a city, uh, you know, that we didn't really know. And our kids at the time were in high school and, and junior high. Um, so we just really didn't want to, uh, you know, take them from, uh, from school and move to a, a city that we just didn't really know. So that really kicked off the process of, okay, well, what do we do with the next 20 years? And that kind of kicked off the whole process of, you know, figuring out, you know, what we wanted to do. So we looked at existing businesses for sale in the Madison area. Um, if we wanted a restaurant or a bar, that would have been no problem. There were plenty of those uh, available. But, um, you know, we, we reached out to a, a variety of sources. Uh, we used uh, a SCORE mentor um, and then um, some friends of ours. Uh, own a, another franchise and they suggested that we reach out to uh, the broker that uh, they had known. And so we ended up working with her and, uh, you know, we'd never worked with a franchise broker before. And she presented all of the, the different uh, opportunities and everything like that. And, and some of them looked great. Some of them were like, no way, I can't, can't see myself doing those at all. So we ended up um, actually parting ways with her just for a little bit. We, we tried another uh, person and, and uh, didn't really see um, you know, uh, value in, in, in the concepts that were presented to us. And so we gave it some time. Uh, and then, uh, we decided to go back with, uh, the broker again to, cause some time had passed just to see if, um, you know, 
if anything new had been presented to her. And that's when Redbox Plus was presented to us. And at first, Amy and my wife kind of laughed um, and thought that was, you know, uh, you know, kind of comical. But then it just really started to make sense. And so that was in January of 2019. We attended Discovery Day, I think, March of 2020. And then... Uh, yeah, signed, and we had our equipment in June of, of 2019. So really, a, a pretty quick, uh, you know, wrap up, and, and we were we were going quickly. So we had spent so much time trying to figure out, you know, what to do next that um, when we saw what fit, it, it was really a, a pretty easy decision for us. So, what were some of the characteristics that you thought you wanted in a business that turned out not to be important? And then, because I, I happen to have insight on the other things that you looked at, but, and then what were the characteristics in the business that you decided on that really drew you to it? Sure. Um, yeah. Like we, like I said, we did a lot of the research um, and uh, we wanted something that was always going to be there. So people always have trash and they always have to go to the bathroom. So uh, it was, you know, I, Recession proof to a, a certain extent, um, minimal employees. So right now I'm, I'm one of the drivers, I'm an owner operator. Um, and then we have uh, our driver and then we've just hired on another driver as well. So, uh, we didn't want a, a whole team. We liked the fact that it was home-based. Um, we have a location or a couple of locations where we store all of our equipment, but we run the business from our, our home office. Um, you know, much like. I, I guess I did working from home uh, with IBM for so many years. Yeah, it checks a lot of the boxes of, you know, what Sam and I like to represent. It's why she, a lot of why she fell in love with Redbox, I think. And then a lot of what our clients are looking for. So we hear those things a lot, right? Recession resistant, small team to manage, you know, pandemic proof, all of those things, small team great, great qualities in a business. So you're an owner operator, you get to drive a truck, uh, which sounds like a lot of fun. Every little kid's dream, if you will, every little boy at some point said they wanted to have a big truck when they grew up. Sure. So I think that's great. Tell us a little bit more about what does the day in the life look like for you as a franchisee outside of, you know, driving the truck? What else does your day look like? Well, right now it is kind of the off season if there is such a thing. So it's allowing us to kind of get caught up, uh, plan for, for the upcoming year, but um, it's so varied. And that's, I think, one of the things that I really enjoy about it, um, doing, trying to do a lot more social media type work. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's making sure that our driver has his route scheduled the night before so that, you know, he looks on his app and he, he knows where he's going, what he needs to do special instructions. So, you know, trying to over communicate since I'm not in the truck with him, trying to provide very specific guidance on where the dumpster needs to be put, um, you know, who he should call when he's in route, stuff like that. Um, uh, at this time of year, we've, we've got a lot of frozen toilets. So it's, it's, uh, dealing with, dealing with that. Um, oftentimes, uh, you know, all of the debris is in the back of the dumpster when you go to tip it out at the, the transfer station or the landfill, it stays stuck in there. So, you know, having to get that dug out. So it's just, it's a, it's so varied. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of sales stuff, uh, you know, making calls, cold calling, um, you know, just reaching out to people that we haven't heard from, um, trying to think what else it's, um, yeah, it's, it's never ending. And that's one of the 
biggest surprises, I guess, we, we knew it was going to be a lot of work. We didn't know it was going to be this much work, but I'm absolutely loving it. And, uh, you know, it's it's a lot of fun because it is so different than what I was doing in the, in the corporate world. So it was just, um, I mean, you really can't get much different from software development on some pretty cool projects um, to now, you know, driving a, a, a big Kenworth truck, uh, dropping dumpsters and sucking out toilets. He said sales, and it just reminded me, it brought me right back to our process. And I'll never forget you telling me, Sam, I can't do sales. I, I just, I, I'm never going to be able to do this. I, I don't know how we'll get customers. And we said to you, well, Chad, you, yes, you can. And you're definitely, you're such a great connector. You're such a great person to talk to. I have no doubt that you can do sales. And you learned a lot about yourself. If you could just go into a little bit about how involved you now are in the networks that you're involved in and just how you've actually been able to sell yourself and therefore your business. I would love to hear your take on that. So yeah, in my mind, sales meant IBM sales. And that was something that I really didn't do at IBM. I was more deep in the technical trenches. So uh, sales to me meant, you know, uh, a sales team putting together a demo, proof of concept, you know, the deal might be worth tens of millions of dollars over the span of six, seven, eight years. It's just for me, that was that was my definition of sales. And that was just something that I did not want to be a part of, especially with, you know, getting up in front of large groups and, and demoing and, and presenting and stuff like that. So in my mind, that was sales, but I had done sales in the past. So I, I worked at a, uh, a high-end skiing and, and camping store growing up uh, in, in college in, in Minnesota. And um, that was, you know, selling skis is completely different. I mean, it's, it's more about just, hey, talking about where you like to ski, where you like to go out west, just having a natural conversation. And then, oh, by the way, you know, we have these models of skis. This one will fit you, you know, for the, the type, you know, uh, skiing you're going to be doing and stuff like that. So um, so I guess my definition of sales was a little um, skewed from what I experienced at IBM. So now it's kind of the same thing as selling skis in a sense, because it's just it's making that connection with the other business owner or the other project lead or the project estimator. It's I've really enjoyed going in and getting to to meet the different people and, and their small businesses just like us. So there's kind of an instant connection and just asking them about their projects, what they have, what their um, what their workload is looking like for the next year. And, and around here, uh, you know, we've been very fortunate. The, the jobs, there's just a lot of construction going. There's a lot of remodeling um, and everything like that. So the sales process has been really, you know, um, very different than what I thought it was going to be. And um, it's it's been a lot of fun, and it's actually one of the parts that I enjoy the most, going to like networking events, construction networking events, and just talking to people about their projects and what they've got going on, and and asking them about their dumpster service and what they like and what they don't like. And you know, there's a lot of other really good dumpster companies in the area, and so just kind of getting to know uh, people from them, and we kind of help each other out. Um, it's you know, there's there's plenty of work to go around for all of us, and so that whole that whole sales thing. I, you know, that's, that was a great question. And, and I'm glad that you brought that up because what I had envisioned initially was, you know, just very rigid kind of classic sales. And, and what I'm doing now is just driving around and talking to people. And that's, that's really easy. And that's what I enjoy. And that's what is so different than when I was working at IBM because I was stuck behind these computers with coworkers spread around the world. Um, and, you know, just not really able to get to know, make that connection with them. 
So much of sales is relationship building. I mean, and at the end of the day, that's what you're talking about is building relationships with people in the community, networking, helping them solve a problem for their needs. So I love that piece. And I also like that you mentioned that you you gained a lot of that skill set when you were a kid, you know, working in ski resorts. So any of our young listeners right now, keep that in mind. Take that first job seriously. Learn from it because you never know where those skills will take you. So I'm really glad that you made that point. So, you know, being a business owner is hard and every business has its challenges. You know, when you launch, you probably had days early on where you were like, man, what am I doing today? Or what did I get myself into? But what was the aha moment for you that things just really clicked? That's a great question. There's a lot of like small failures along the way that the fact that you could kind of overcome them um, bit by bit made it seem like, uh, yeah, I, I, I can do this or we can do this. I mean, when I say we, it's it's my wife and I. She's involved in the business, a lot of the behind the scenes works. I'm kind of the face of the business, always out there. Um, but it's just overcoming these small failures. For example, getting stuck in a field in the truck and having a, a tow company come out and you know pull you out and the the things that i learned that day on how to get the truck you know freed up without having to call uh, a towing service has been very very valuable you know in the future so it's just it's those small steps of yes i failed i got the truck stuck towing bill is going to be very expensive but that expensive lesson early on now has prevented many other times of, of getting stuck so it's just knowing that you know um you know putting all those um, failures and successes together um, has, has really, I guess, uh, you know, made things it's good. That's great advice because there are a lot of failures and there's a lot of successes. And I think it's easy to focus on the failures when you're in them and really let them drag you down for sure, especially in business ownership. When you're used to a large team, there's not that many people to call. Franchising is nice in that aspect because there actually are people out there experiencing the same thing. So for our listeners that are in process with us right now that are looking and exploring franchise businesses or, or thinking about it, what advice do you have for people that are thinking about owning a franchise that you wish somebody would have told you before you started or while you were looking? It sounds so basic, but just do your, your research, your due diligence. I mean, talk to people. Um, one of the things that we probably didn't do enough of was talking to um, or just trying to run numbers as far as, you know, for how much landfills charge, um, you know, all of the uh, number aspects into can our market support another roll off, another dumpster company. Um, we could have done more research there. It ended up great, you know, it worked out despite, you know, the lack of research in that area, but it, it's just talking and, and networking and um, really trying to understand as much you can without being in the business, you know, about that. So again, it's, it's kind of basic and, and maybe obvious, but just talking to people and, and networking like that. I think that's great. We, we tell people all the time, you know, you have to go through the validation process. Franchisors lay out a process for a reason. And a piece of that is to talk to existing franchisees. And I think that's where you can pick up more financial information in addition to doing market research. So I like that piece of advice. 
You've had a lot of success. Before we kicked off the call, you talked about some additional orders going on to be able to continue to grow your business. You know, what do you feel like has contributed to that success? Just a lot of hard work. Again, that's kind of cliche. You know, I think having a family that's been very supportive, my wife has been very supportive of this, um, it's, it's very uncomfortable for her. Owning a small business is, I love it. I love the chaos, the craziness. I thrive in that type of environment. She's more calculated. And, and so we kind of balance each other out really quite well. So it's been very scary for her, um, but just, get, you know, family with role models. You know, my parents, her parents were very hard workers. Um, you know, going on to grandparents and uncles and aunts. So we, we come from a very diverse background of, of different type jobs and everything like that, that we've been able to draw on that experience and put that into play. Um, I mean, this is a dirty, gross job at times. And hey, it's work. It, it's got to be done. And we're making a, a big difference for our, our clients. That's so true. And support, a support system, whether it's a spouse or family, it's just so incredibly important, you know, finding that in your own personal network because I do think it drives you as you're launching any kind of business. So with all of the people supporting you, what is the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? If you had to lock down a piece of advice that you live by, what would it be? One that comes to mind is um, back in my early days at IBM, I had, well, I always had really, really good, strong, supportive managers. Um, but one, one manager in particular, you know, kind of gave the advice of, you know, when you're leading teams or you're managing teams, um, always try to improve that person, give them the skill sets they need so that they can succeed in the next venture that they take on. So it's not like trying to keep them on your team, um, but really trying to build them up, um, develop their skills so that on that next job, whatever it is within that company or outside of that company, that they're just, you know, prepared, they're, they're um, you know, that much better. And then you kind of do the same thing with other people, but maybe their backfill that comes in or whatever. So just, um, and that's one of the things that I'm looking forward to in, you know, as we grow our team here as that whole managerial lead type thing, you know, giving them uh, skills that they can do that. Yeah, I hope they stay here, but if they don't, I really want them to succeed, you know, with whatever they decide to do, you know, down the road. So just kind of that culture that, um, you know, that, that team-based approach, I think, is, is good. The culture. We hear that a lot. We talk about that a lot, Sam and I. We talk about culture and the importance of it. So you mentioned some really important items in the beginning when you were talking about your background. And I think you alluded to it, but I really want to drive this piece home of what was your, com your personal compelling reason for franchise ownership? It was really to, you know, I had kind of worked for a, you know, I had 400,000 coworkers and it seemed like a lot of times the, the work that I was doing personally was important, but it was really hard to see the value to the end user because I was writing online health um, procedures for software in a, in a medically regulated environment. So very like disaster recovery or um, change management procedures, stuff that was very I guess pretty boring and, and pretty dry, but very important. It required, um, and you know, now I feel like, you know, there I, I would never see the results of my work. Does anyone even read this stuff? So now, 
now I know that when I drop a dumpster or when there is a, a team that's doing a very large demo and they need 10 dumpsters within a week and they're they're turning them constantly, I know that if we schedule things right, you know, we drop that dumpster so they don't miss a beat. And, you know, they've got a crew of maybe 20 people, you know, ripping walls down and tearing everything out. And so that costs a lot of money for that business owner if all of a sudden they are at a standstill because they can't, you know, fill up that dumpster. So, um, you know, just I'm able to see the results and being a franchise owner, you know, I mean, as especially as an owner operator, I feel like I'm right there um, and I'm making a difference. And, uh, you know, sure, I guess you could do that with any small business per se. But, you know, the, the franchising is, has been a great model for us. And, you know, it's you know the recipe that we've been able to follow and, and go with. So um, just being able to see the, you know, the actual um, results of our, our very hard work is, is really, really nice. That is absolutely a great point, I think, to end on, which is seeing the results. And I will tell you, it's we're kind of marking exactly three years from the first time that you and I had a conversation, which I think is so crazy to watch you guys build this business and to see it in the town where I live. And my son will be like, there's a red box. There's a red box. <laughs> we see the truck. So there's a lot of pride, I think, for for us to watch you and, and seeing your results has just been absolutely tremendous, Chad. So thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you coming on to the podcast. You bet. I'm glad to be here. So thanks. Thanks for asking me. Thanks, Chad. If you want to learn more about business ownership and find out if it's right for you, please feel free to email us at info at franpathconsulting.com. Follow the Fran Path Consulting Podcast on Apple or Spotify. If you're so inclined to give us a five-star review, we would absolutely appreciate that. You can find us on Instagram at FranPath, Facebook and LinkedIn at FranPath Consulting. Please do not forget to go to FranPathConsulting.com and fill out our assessment to find out if business ownership is truly for you. Have a great week.